And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Hour number two of the show, JT. Thanks for coming back. Always appreciate the fact that you're listening. And we are thrilled to have you here today as we get rolling. Brought to you by our good friends, Sam and Ash. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. SamandAshLaw.com is the website, or give them a call, 702-820-1234. Ashley from Sam and Ash will join us tomorrow. Look forward to her coming on. Really appreciate their proud partnership. We have several new partners that we'll be introducing heading into the NFL draft next week that I'm very excited about. I'll be anchoring the draft with Lincoln Kennedy. Eric Allen will be with me. We'll tell you more of those details next week as we'll be on throughout the first round, during the first round, post-round, and then for a lot of hours on Friday as we'll wrap up the draft for you. So this is a big time for this flagship radio station to have an opportunity. Last year we just launched for the draft, and we put it together quickly, and it was exciting. Henry Ruggs III, first player ever drafted in Vegas history. And now this year, the Raiders have the 17th pick overall, and they got to nail it. They have to nail it in a big way because they're at a point now where the impact player at 17 has got to start. He's got to have to have an instant impact with this team if this team's going to improve on an 8-8 eight eight record, which I keep telling you was a 10-6 and six record that got away from them. But what it could have, should have. Orlando Alzogari is going to join us coming up from Miami and it's interesting. I think the Dolphins and the Raiders are identical. came down to that one game where the Dolphins won a miracle at Allegiant Stadium, and that would have been the difference between the Raiders being better than the Dolphins or the Dolphins being better than the Raiders. The Dolphins select twice in the first round. They have the sixth pick overall from the Eagles when they traded out of the third pick. Remember, the Dolphins traded out of that third pick, and the 49ers jumped in. So they have now the sixth and the 18th pick in the first round. And I think that's going to have a massive impact on what the Raiders do. Miami, that's the one team that we know is right behind the Raiders that could jump ahead of them by trading up because they have the ability to do it. And they have the sixth pick overall, which is really going to set the tone on who's going to be left for the silver and black as they come back. I thought we handled the Mark Davis tweet, which is still up on the Raiders' site. And he got the vision to tweet that out from George Floyd's brother after he spoke at a press conference. The Floyd family earlier today thanked the Raiders and Mark Davis for their support. So hopefully that is an issue that gets behind the Raiders. Uh, Mark Davis was very open about his opinions on everything that happened here, from talking to Ed Graney, from talking to Paul Gutierrez, who we had on in the first hour of the show. If you have anything you'd like to add on that issue, you could always do that. We're an open show. We've always had that reputation here of putting people on the radio who disagree or agree. Whoever you are, we're always there for you. So you can jump on in, 702-365-9200. There's a lot of NBA news that I need to get to, but I'm not going to do it today because of the draft. And the news on Deshaun Watson is getting very interesting right now as Rusty Harden has pretty much laid out his defense, saying that this is extortion and a money grab by the majority of the women there. So they're going to deny, 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 say he didn't do it, and say that they're going to have evidence that they're trying to extort money from him. Big deal, because Deshaun Watson's one of the best players in football, and he's still available via, via a trade. 
He's still available via a trade. All right, the best sports talk host in Miami joins us, and I don't say that lightly. My career started in Miami. It's been on there for most of my career. I've worked with him at SiriusXM, now with Onside Radio. Orlando Gary joins us, the Big O, as we break down the Dolphins. Big O, good to talk to you, my friend. I hope you're well. I am doing great, my brother. COVID-free. We're, uh, we're all vaccinated, so we're, uh, we're surviving, my man. That's all we can do right now. Well, I'll tell you, I miss you because that Raider game against the Dolphins came down to the Fitzmagic miracle as he got his helmet pulled off in relief for Tua. I still have nightmares. You know the Dolphins better than anybody. In that game, they benched Tua for Fitzpatrick. It was the right move. Fitzpatrick is now gone. Tua is there. Are you sensing that the organization has a lot of confidence now in Tua heading into this draft? Oh, hell yeah, man. Anybody that tells you anything different, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They started this kid the week they played the Rams. And Michael Brockers, you know, rocked his world by flattening him on the ground. And so, uh, you know, they, they, they started him against the Chiefs. You don't start somebody against the Rams and the Chiefs if you don't trust them. They trust him. They were just developing him. But Brian Flores was really smart, JT, and you've been around football teams. You know this. You know, the coach wanted to make sure he kept everybody on winning mode. Remember last year when you brought me on and you had a whole bunch of, you know, crazy nuts out there. Oh, they're tanking, they're tanking. And I told you they weren't tanking. They're building through youth. They're going to try to win every game. It's a lot harder with young people, but that's where the foundation's going to be. You don't have a foundation when you start a football team with old players you start them with young players, and that's what they did last year. And they ended up winning five games. They won five out of their last nine, and, mm-hmm. and knocked the Patriots out of the out of the bye week into the divisional round, which was the beginning of the end uh, of the Patriot dynasty, pretty much. And then this past season, they won ten games. And why did they win ten games? Because Brian Flores did the same thing. He coaches the game to win, and so while he'll develop his young guy. If his young guy's not ready at the moment and he says, all right, he's not ready for the moment, let me throw Fitz in there because I'm trying to win the game and not locker room. And at no point did he lose the locker room in his first year and at no point did he lose the locker room in his second year. And while players are opting out for workouts, like 98 or 99% of the players showed up this week for workouts. Why? Because Flores doesn't lose the locker room. Big O joins us, Miami's lead sports talk host, knows the Dolphins as good as anybody. They select number six and number 18 in the draft a week from Thursday. So tell me about this and and what they're doing here because San Francisco's now got the three spot. Miami's going to get a great player at six. Now, you know the offensive line better than me. I think Penny Sewell will be gone if Cincinnati takes him. And then there's Jamar Chase, the great wide receiver from LSU who gets open quickly off the line of scrimmage. And Tua can get rid of the ball quickly in a quick one look there. Does this look like the perfect fit for you with the Dolphins? Yeah, I, I think this move was all about Pitts and Chase. So if Pitts falls to them at six, they'll take him. If, if Chase is there, they'll take him. If both are gone, JT, this is what I think happens. They take Waddle is the guy they take. And, you know, talking to uh, several scouts around the league, because uh, you know, we all, you know, we get caught in this prisoner of the moment thing when the kid wins the Heisman. He's fantastic. I love Devonta Smith. Don't get me wrong now. But most people feel that I talk to around the league 
that Waddle is actually the better fit for what mm-hmm. they're trying to do here in Miami. So if it does come down to the two Alabama receivers, I think they'll lean to Waddle. But I think this move was they will get Pitts if he's there. If not, they'll get Chase. And if not, it'll be Waddle. And that's why they'll entertain offers, and that's why they'll listen to people because if they can move down a couple spots and still get Waddle, I think they're going to be just fine and they'll be happy. But there's no doubt that they moved from 3-12 to and back into 6 because they've got convictions on a couple of players and they're assured that one of those players are going to be there, and I think it's one of those three guys. Orlando Alzogari joins us, the Big O, from the Big O Show in Miami. You know, Big O, this is a great spot for them to be in, and I think you'd agree with me that the run on quarterbacks is more of a desperate run. I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks should even be. I didn't have Mac Jones penciled maybe as a late first rounder. You know, Lamar Jackson went dead last in the first round with the Heisman Trophy, and he's already got an MVP. No one was jumping up to get him at number two, three, four, or five. So this really benefits the Dolphins now that there's an early run on quarterback if they're not going to take it, and you're making it clear they're not taking it. They're going to get a player at number six, and I also think a pick at number 18. A player at 18. I look at the 18th pick as the eighth pick because I know who the 10 guys are. But at 18, there's a whole bunch of great players who are still going to be on the board for Miami if they don't trade up. Oh, yeah, man. And and they'll be able to either get, if you want to reach a little bit for the running back and you want to get the Alabama kid, then that's fine, Najee Harris. Although, personally, for me, I'm not big on getting running backs that early. But they could easily go, you know, defensive linemen. They can go a pass rusher. They can go outside linebacker. Uh, There's a lot of things that they can do at that spot. So they've got a lot of flexibility there. And, you know, they're a young team, so they have several needs overall. So they – and and remember, JT, as you know, and a lot of you guys out there that are following the draft, this isn't loaded with pass rushers. So if you want one, you're going to have to get one early on at that number 18 spot, whether it's, you know, the UM kid Phillips or, uh, you know, the Z's Ojuri mm-hmm. kid, the, the outside linebacker Georgia. For, um, for Georgia. I love that yep. kid. You know, something along those lines. Uh, I, you know, Zaven Collins is another kid I like out of Tulsa. Uh, you know, there's several kind of options like that at 18. But if you want a pass rusher, you're probably going to have to get one early on because by the time you get to the latter part of the first round, early second, JT, I think those pass rushers will be dried up. The Big O joins us from Miami. Great sports talk host. Great with music, too. We'll get to that in a second. While I have you here, i got to ask you about the Miami edge rushers, Greg Rousseau and Jalen Phillips. These are two guys that I think could be anywhere from 13 all the way to 20. How battle-tested are they? I know one opted out, the other one opted in and had all the stats. These are two Miami Hurricane edge rushers who can get to the quarterback that are high on a lot of draft boards. Yeah, and Roche, by the way, is the third kid, and he'll go a little later in the draft. That might not be a, a nice little. That might be a nice little project for somebody. But I got to tell you, JT Phillips scares the hell out of me because of all the stuff that happened at, at UCLA and the, the concussions. So I do worry about that. And you've been following this a long time, like I have. You know, the one-year wonder guys scare me. You know, JPP, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is one of the few one-year wonders that work out. More often than not, these kids that put up that one great year, it, it's, it's difficult to measure it. Meanwhile, the other kid that, that, that sat out, Gregory Rousseau, I, I got to tell you something, I love him. 
I think mm-hmm. he is an ultimate disruptor. I think he's going to end up being a bargain for somebody because he's going to tumble a little bit. And, and because he didn't have the greatest workout, you know, I, I still remember uh, Terrell Suggs, who had like 28 sacks or something ridiculous his senior year or 24 or whatever. I remember him running like a, a five something in the 40, and people were like up in arms, like, oh my God. And he ends up dropping really deep in, into the, I think, late first round, early second. And obviously the rest is history. He's a Hall of Famer, and he had a, a great career. I think people sometimes get a little too crazy about these workouts and I know I've watched the player Rousseau is one of those guys that that defensive coaches are going to love putting him on the outside and then on the inside he can disrupt Uh, I I just think he's one of those guys that when they get him they're going to find out that the power the intimidation that that guy brings to the table that's the kind of stuff you cannot teach so I think Rousseau is going to be a steal for somebody because of being out of sight, out of mind. You know, it's kind of like the whole the Devonta Smith thing. He's winning the Heisman, and the I'm still taking Jamar. <laughs> you know, I don't right. care that he won the Heisman. The kid's fantastic. But if you put gun to head, I'm taking Jamar Chase over Devonta Smith because I was not a prisoner of the moment. And I think we're having a prisoner of the moment in the reverse now with Gregory Rousseau, and people are kind of discounting him a little bit and picking on him a little bit because of the workouts. Whatever team gets him, and if, you know, for Raider Nation that's listening out there, if they end up with Gregory Rousseau, trust me, you're going to end up with one hell of a player. Good to hear the big O. So you've been to my house. You've been out here for boxing in Vegas, and I love going to Miami whenever I get a chance. We saw the Canelo fight there. You and me, we're both into music. We both love live shows. We constantly go to concerts. I follow you on Twitter, and that's been a big void in our life. Now, I know music's coming back for you, but I love Miami. Miami, everything they want to do at Hard Rock Stadium. Stephen Ross wants the Grand Prix outside, the Canelo fight, these concerts. It seems like Miami's a different country. It's open. Open for business. What's it like there? Well, you know, you know how our, our governor is. So yeah, he has uh, kept everybody working uh, as much as possible, uh, and it is kind of crazy and sometimes a little bit irresponsible. Because, see, listen, I, I think if we all would have been responsible, we want we might have gotten most of our life back already at this point. But those people that don't want to wear masks and don't want a vaccine, and you're going to keep spreading it and, and keep bringing us back. But, yeah, there's no doubt that they've been fighting it here, and, and uh, they've, they've found a way to kind of stay. That's why we have so many businesses moving to Florida. Now, there's a lot of corporations that have left even California, and they're coming over here to Florida because Florida has stayed working. A lot of people in the Northeast, have, you know, we're normally the sixth borough as it is, but it, mm-hmm. it's gotten even worse with the people from the Northeast that are coming back over here because uh, the governor has kind of kept everything open. And, by the way, speaking of concerts, I know it's not as hard rock that you and I talk a lot about, but the good news about, you know, small news good out of the pandemic was that that, uh, Genesis got their European dates delayed, so now they're going to come over to America for one more go, so I wouldn't mind seeing Genesis one more time. That's going to be pretty good. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting live music back again, man. I I can't wait to go rock out somewhere and, and go enjoy a concert. Yeah, tell me about it. My wife and I, we got Garth Brooks opening up the stadium. We're waiting for the Stones to come back one more time on a big stadium tour. And 
you know, we got a football stadium out here that's going to blow you away that's great for concerts. The concerts at Allegiant Stadium are going to be amazing, and the concerts at Hard Rock are amazing there. Big O, wanted to have you on because the Dolphins, I think, are the key to the first round. We know that quarterbacks are going to go early. The Niners are get, making all this noise with Mac Jones or Fields, but the Dolphins have two picks in the top 18, and I really appreciate you joining us to give us some clarification on a couple of these players and what the team's looking to do. Thanks for coming on, my brother. You got it, man. And by the way, can we give Mr. Davis a break? The guy meant well. Come on, man. We all know. We all were all exhaling a little bit when that verdict was read, because we all know that we've heard the not guilty over and over and over again in these kind of situations. So I know what Mr. Davis meant. Sometimes, listen, maybe we're, we're all not perfect wordsmiths out there, but you know what? Maybe we got to stop being so ultra sensitive about all of this and, and give the man some respect. He meant very well when he met, when he said it, it may not be the most perfect words out there, but I thought his heart was in the right place because if deep down inside we all we all were in the same position and we all exhaled when that whole thing came out because we knew that finally they had gotten it right. And that is such an important step in our country. One tiny little step. We got a long way to pave the right road, but at least that was one tiny step. And I understood what Mr. Davis meant. So the man of bridge. Nicely said. Big O, good to talk to you. I'll be in touch soon. Take care, buddy. Y'all be good. Onside Radio, Orlando Azalgari in Miami. We, uh, great to talk to him. And I'm telling you, the Dolphins, Dolphins gave the Raiders fits in that game where they had that Hail Mary broken play that I, I was in the building live when it happened. And you, could, you couldn't hear anything. You could hear everything to begin with. When that catch was made, that was a haunting moment when Fitzpatrick's helmet almost came off and that ball was completed. It was mind-blowing when I walked out of the stadium that night to my, par- to my car in the parking lot, and there wasn't a car, not one car, as Eric Allen was waiting for an Uber. And I waited with him, and we, we, went, we walked off into the darkness after the Dolphins beat the Raiders. That cannot happen again. Raider man, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. You're up next. I appreciate you kicking me in the gut right before you let me on the air. You knocked the wind out of me, bro. I wasn't, ready. I wasn't prepared for that last blast. Hey, look. I got to touch this, and I feel compelled because I'm over here under these books, man. I got to make up midterm. I got to take care of on Friday and a big astronomy uh, exam tomorrow. But I think it's highly important to touch these issues because the, the situation with Mr. Davis's tweet, it caught me off guard. I mean, I was completely oblivious to the verdict in the first place uh, because I wasn't paying attention to it. You know, I can't have my life hinged on so many emotional things where my, my real life can't function. And over the course of this COVID time, it seemed like that's how the media really ramps up everything, to keep people so politically occupied in the mind that they're not really concentrating on real-life things, you know, like humanity, like people, like trying to get back to learning what life is again. So me, I just refuse to try to vilify Mr. Davis for this tweet. You know, uh, initially it did take me aback because, you know, it just it's innocuous. You can't tell where the, where the emotion is coming from. But the more I'm educated to what's behind it, and especially to see the family support of it, I really don't have an axe to grind about it. I mean, you know, it's like, what you going to do? You know, he spoke his word. I'm kind of more appreciative of the fact that he's not backing down from it. That shows as a person behind this thing. And at least, you know, because somebody was hiding something, if somebody really meant something, then they'd be running. They'd be trying to shuck and job it or whatnot. Now, so I can kind of respect the fact that at least he's not doing that. 
You know, uh, I didn't get emotional about the verdict, and I think that's the saddest part about all this because the world is desensitizing us as people to really care about the real-life issues. And, yeah, this is a sports program. Yeah, a lot of people complain about all this stuff. But if these weren't issues, then how do we even get to meet in these stadiums to, you know, to call each other family and, you know, rub shoulders and be able to do the things that we do? You know how we get down the black hole. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing more and more on this Twitter thing that is actually racist, Raider Nation calling themselves people out there. I hear you talk about on your shows about how you, know, you got all these people tagging themselves Raider this and Raider that, but they're the most negative people in the world. And I just believe it is the only way to come out from behind the sign is for everybody to get on the same side. And that's not about being fans and everybody got to you know, do the phone fingering gay and everybody's great. You know, We just support our people. We don't condemn nobody. That's not what it's about. Have a voice. Have an opinion. But let's be about people. Let people know who you are. Now, I know this is a little bit touchy. I'm not going to go too often, too, far, too far off into it, but I think that there's an indicator because there's a word out there that's killing this nation, and it's the N-word, and it needs to stop. And when we stop using the N-word, it's easy to see who's on the other side. You know, it's a calling force. So maybe it's mine and my own personal grind. But honestly, if we're going to get rid of this racism thing, we got to stop racing each other. we got to realize we're on the same team. There's only one race, and it's human. Let's start acting like that, you know? It just, I don't know, this stuff befuddles me, but I don't think that a man should be vilified for speaking his heart. The fact that he cares, the fact that there's an owner, an NFL owner that's willing to speak up for himself, to say anything, to do anything, that shouldn't be condemned. We should find a way to support this man. And I'm, I'm, I'll just step out there on the front line, Mr. Davis. You know, if you're listening, I'm be willing to come beside you for whatever I can do because that's my mission anyway. We got to get the world to stop using the N word. I'm see you when I'm looking at you, JT. Thanks for your time. Take care, Ritter, man. Good to hear from you. Thank you for the phone call. Yeah, uh, Mark Davis meant nothing but unity in that tweet. And for some people, it didn't come across that way. And he clarified what he meant after hearing George Floyd's brother speak. And his brother said that we can breathe now. And when he said, I can breathe, he meant what the Floyd family was going through with the results of the verdict going their way and again we've done a lot today clearing that up and talking about it and I knew we would and in regards to the negativity and there's a lot of negativity in sports there just is there's a ton of negativity in sports I deal with it every day I do way too much radio than I should be doing I do it because I like to it provides well for my family and it beats working but I do way too much radio and I've done non-stop radio during a pandemic and the killing of George Floyd where every word that I say is magnified. And the amount of stress that brings that I'm not aware of, I'm not aware of the stress that that brings to me by being on a ledge every single show, every night, when you're talking about these topics. That's why I try to always bring it back to sports. People don't tune into sports talk radio to talk about politics. They don't want to. But they will talk about social injustice and how to make it better. They will, because athletes now are demanding it. From LeBron James all the way to hockey players to baseball players, they're demanding that you listen to their opinions on these issues. And if you're not listening, they're going to go to the next level and lead with it on their social media and talk about it right after the game. That's their platform. And we've been dealing with that for only a short period of time in the history of the sports. In the history of sports, we've only been dealing with it for a couple of years in sports has been around well over 100 years. So it's very new to everybody here, and not everybody's good at it. 
uh, D.C. and Henderson. What's going on, D.C.? J.T., great to finally talk to you. I love the station. Uh, listen to it every day. Uh, great uh, great lineup you guys have. Can't say I'm a fan of the syndicated stuff, but uh, the radio programming is awesome. But uh, what I want to talk about is uh, what uh, Bruton and Mayer are going to do with this uh, 17th pick. I, I agree with you. I, I'd love to see them trade up. If Parsons is available, I think he's, he's a great talent. Uh, I think he's a leader that uh, the defense is going to need. Unfortunately, I think Gruden and Mayock have tried to uh, draft leadership with uh, Cleveland Farrell and uh, Jonathan Abrams. Uh, unfortunately, with, uh, between uh, Farrell's injuries and his lack of production and uh, Abrams, I think yeah, I think Abrams has a personality for it, but uh, unfortunately, uh, his play doesn't uh, probably wouldn't uh, cause his teammates to. Uh, consider him a leader. Uh, hopefully that changes this year. Uh, you know, I, I really think this, uh, the top three tackles are gone. I, I don't think the Oregon tackle or uh, Slater or the USC tackle are going to be available uh, at 17. So I, I would definitely like to see them move up. Uh, I, I can't say I'm particularly happy with the, uh, the offseason. They've kind of gone with a, a quantity over quality uh, free agency strategy, in my opinion, on the defense. I just... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't see enough improvement. I, I trust Gus Bradley. I don't I don't think he can be any worse than uh, Paul Gunther was. But uh, I just I have a hard time believing that Gunther was the only problem with that defense. And if he was, why Gruden hung on to him for three years baffles me. Um, you know, I just uh, I just I want to see where they'll go. I, I you know I, I don't want to see them draft or move up to draft a, a wide receiver. I, I just. I know part of me yeah, they're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I just part of me, I just can't see Gruden if one of those top guys is still available. You know, just salivating to get more talent offense. It's almost as if the defense is an afterthought at some point, at some you know times with him. And uh, I, I, I support him 100. percent I was, I was glad to see him come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my question is this: What, as far as the draft picks, I, I think most of us know the answer to this question. Some people don't, but I. I think Gruden, what's the relationship between Gruden and Mayock here? I mean, you don't pay a guy $10 million to have him, you know, defer to yeah. the general master. Select. Yeah, let me jump but, in. Let me jump in. I, I got I to gotta wrap this up. I got Lincoln Kennedy coming up here in minutes. They get along. They work together. Mayock's a grinder. He's out on the road. He's breaking down film. Gruden's breaking down a ton of film, evaluating and trying to develop this roster with free agents. They were very active in the offseason, signing a bunch of defensive players including Yannick Ngakwe and all the defensive tackles they brought in, the depth they brought in in the secondary, they've been working together. You know, I'm not here to, I'm not here really to talk about that. I would never answer that question. I wouldn't with Reggie McKenzie and Jack Del Rio, who I was friends with. If I knew anything to be different with Mayock and Gruden, you wouldn't hear about it on my show. I'm loyal to my job and the people I work for. What would I tell you? That Gruden doesn't like Mayock or Mayock doesn't respect Gruden? That's not the case. So I'm telling you the truth, but you're not going to come on this show on the flagship of the channel and get gossip breaking news on executives in the organization not liking each other. If one leaves or someone leaves down the road a year from now and we can talk about it, that's fair game. But everybody's trying to pull this team together, pull this team along to win a championship. In order to do that, they got to make the playoffs first. Every day we are taking your calls for a Vegas Golden Knight 
jersey giveaway. I find this hysterical. We don't get any Golden Knight calls. We get all the Golden Knight guests. I get all the players. No one calls in, and we're giving away stuff. So I'll play along. I'll play along. Six caller at 702-365-9200. You'll be in the running for a free jersey and tickets. I'm so thrilled we do this here on this radio. We're so generous that we talk Golden Knights. Some days it's like a pin drops, but now we give away stuff, and the phone lights up before I'm done talking. So I'll call in for the free stuff because I got myself a great Golden Knights jersey, number nine, JT the Brick on the back, and I'm able to wear it when I go there as a fan. When I go to the press box, I'm buttoned up. I'm buttoned up. When I go to the press box, before I head to the Bud Light Lounge and the Jack Daniels Lounge and hide. Oh, man, do I miss T-Mobile. Oh, please get me back in T-Mobile for a deep run with the Vegas Golden Knights. Lincoln Kennedy joins us next. You don't want to miss it on the O-Line. Hopefully it's a team that when we're all done, you know, that it is a fast, physical team that gets the ball out, that's aggressive on the perimeters. You know, that type of mindset, that's an effort-based defense. Yeah. You know, and I think if that's when someone comes into our building, our you know, stadium, and that's the way they're talking about us, uh-huh. then you know we're, we're starting to head in the right direction. That was Gus Bradley in his conversation with Eric Allen, who I do the pre- and post-game show with. Lincoln Kennedy's on the broadcast with Brent Musburger. One of the best in the business. I'll be anchoring the NFL draft with him next week on Raider Nation Radio, and he's kind enough to join us. Lincoln, I bumped into you at the airport with my wife and son as we were flying out, and it was good to see you grinding on a flight, grinding through airports. No one works harder than you. How are you? Well, I appreciate it, brother. It was always good seeing you, and it's just funny how you're, you're going on a vacation or a little bit of a vacation to see your son in Oklahoma, and we end up talking Raider football. I don't know how that happens, but it always does. It's always yeah, good. Yeah, it was great to talk. Well, we had limited time in the airport to kind of get into your philosophy on this offensive line. You were a great tackle, and when you look at the void now at right tackle, we both agree that Trent Brown being gone is a good thing and what he meant to this organization while he was here. But for the depth that they have at this position and the 17th pick overall, do you make it the priority for the Raiders in the first round? See, that's where I'm a little mixed, JT, because, yes, the, answer, the direct answer to the question is yes. But, no, I don't think they should use the 17th pick for it. And this is the reason why. I honestly feel this defense needs a lot of help. They need to have an impact player. And I think that because when, I, when you're out of the top 10 in the first round, in my opinion, a lot of times, especially in today's draft, you're what we call a little bit of a no-man's land. Um, and there, there's some guys, some good players there, no doubt. But at the same point, they're not high-priority players because they're not expected to be tremendous impact players. But with that being said, I think this defense needs an impact player at that 17th spot. However, I will say this. Because there's so much um, sort of a, a conversation or, if you will, a lot of lollygagging about the quarterback position, there are going to be some great offensive linemen who are first-round, high first-round projected guys who are going to follow to the second and third round because everyone wants to make these quarterbacks or other positions a priority. With that being said, I think the Raiders can get a tremendous impact player, somebody like a Darryl Shaw out of Virginia Tech or a Slater out of uh, Northwestern. They could probably get these guys um, later and, and have great value, maybe in the second or maybe in the third round pick. 
Yeah, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest. Lincoln, you were able to make the transition. You were a very high pick. I just, you played the game. How tough is it to take a rookie right tackle and put him against some of these six, seven, eight-year veterans? What was that transition like for you? You had the size and gifted, and you were a high pick. But if you're a late first-rounder or second first-rounder and you're projected to start and the Raiders need a starter at right tackle, how big of a jump is that for a young player? Well, it, it, it's a big jump. There's there's going to be a learn by trial by fire, if you will, JT. That the players have just got to do. I mean, you've got to get accustomed to the speed. You've got to see the Khalil Max and the Bond Millers and the guys of the league. You've got to see those guys rushing the quarterback to understand how to block them. So it is a trial by fire. However, there's a way that you can help those young tackles become a little bit more secure. It's called scheme. Whether you chip, whether you put a tight end over there, whether you slow down things. More importantly, whether you have great core operation between your quarterback and the receivers to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, you can nullify and build confidence. The great thing about the Raiders in this position, with them having Colton Miller at left tackle, they have a blatant hole at right tackle, there's no doubt about it. But the Raiders like to run the football. If they can get one of these high draft choices, impact, and have them run the football, that's going to build their confidence even more to when you do have to pass you know that you're going to feel a little bit more secure with scheme in hand. The great Lincoln Kennedy joins us, Raider legend. So let's move to what you just said. They want to run the ball. And they bring in Kenyon Drake, who I think is the best backup running back in all of football. They have the best backup quarterback in all of football in Marcus Mariota. They have Darren Waller, who broke Tim Brown, your former teammate's reception record. If they like to run the ball so much, how are they going to get Ruggs, Renthro, and Edwards going and Brown, who they just brought in here. How do they find that mix and become more of an attacking team if they love to run so much with these two tight end sets? Well, the thing is is that today is no longer isolated running back. I think the days are long gone of giving a running back 350, almost to 400 carries. I think that's gone. It's running back by committee. So by bringing in Drake, you're actually giving, you know, uh, you're giving Josh Jacobs a little bit of a changeup. We saw that it's been essential since he's been in the career because he's had to battle various injuries. But to your point, you know, the Raiders run the ball so they can set up the pass. You run the set up the pass. You work off of a play action, and it actually opens up the, run, the passing game. And the thing is, is that when you have deep stretch or, or deep field, uh, you know, where you can stretch the field with like Ruggs and, and Waller and stuff like that at various positions, then it allows you to be keep defenses on their heels because they can't just key in or load the box so they know that you can strike down the field. Lincoln Kennedy joins us. So, Lincoln, with Gus Bradley, you were there with Brent Musburger in the booth and watching the scheme yeah. last year and players just not lined up correctly and – you know, there wasn't great pursuit, and guys let players go. I, I, I don't know how many times I talked to you after a game when you were leaving and said, why does a player let someone go? Like, how do you let Travis Kelsey go? I know you're supposed to have help, and you're in a zone, and it's a technique where someone's supposed to pick up a player here. But do you think now with Gus Bradley, there's going to be more physicality, staying with players, running with players, and not looking for so much help that they did under the Gunther system? The challenge to me, JT, is going to be how these players are able to communicate. With the COVID standards that have seemed to have set a precedent for us moving forward, I don't know how much time these guys are going to have together. Now, the thing is, is that you had last year, teams were able to do it. But teams that, in my opinion, that had more experience and not as many young players were able to benefit off the fact that you're practicing by Zoom or you're practicing in different rooms or whatever. You have got to get these guys together 
in the same place at the same time to understand situational football. You can't do that via a camera. You can't do that via a computer. You've got to get them in the same room. So the challenge for Gus Bradley and his scheme is going to be, well, first of all, they've got to generate a pass rush with the front four. Everyone knows that when you play cover three, you have to generate a pass rush with your front four. And I think that's why they paid so much attention to the defensive line and the defensive ability to rush the football. Secondly, when it comes to coverage, it's about communication. You've got to have people who are able to communicate and know how to be in the right place at the right time. Jonathan Abrams struggled last year because he was always trying to make plays, but the people behind him didn't always know where he was going to be. And so when you talk about that Travis Kelsey incident against Kansas City, he wanted to come downhill to try to make a play on Patrick Mahomes because he thought that he, was in, he, thought that he needed to do that. At the same point, he voided his own. And Travis Kelsey was wide open behind him for the touchdown winning, uh, that won the game. So when it comes to defense, it's all about communication. Gus Bradley and his staff are going to have their hands full because under COVID standards and what we see with you know, teams you know, sort of opting out of the uh, virtual off-field workouts and the OTAs, I don't know how they're going to do that. It's still a wait-and-see game. we got to see how all this stuff comes together. Lincoln, last question. The Wolves are at the door. The critics, even from NFL.com and NFL Network, where Mike Mayock used to work, you know, they've been hard on Mayock and Gruden to get this thing done and to, and to have a big draft. Do you sense the focus? Because, again, you do what you do. They, they do what they do. I do what I do. They take it very seriously. But considering there hasn't been a lot of these players that have popped, these high draft picks other than Josh Jacobs, they really got to nail the 17th pick. No doubt about it. They got to get it right. And it's a high-impact pick because there are so many things. The, the, the Raiders are on the verge of doing something, but at the same point, they don't really have the time to say, okay, let's worry, wait, it's a process, it's, let's work about it, because the Kansas City Chiefs are good. The Chargers are getting better. One day, the Broncos are going to figure it out. And if this becomes an ultra-competitive conference or division like it has been before, the Raiders can't afford to be past five. So it's either show up and prove that you're capable of playing and being with the big boys rather than talking about it. This is a very big draft for them. All right. Thank you, Lincoln. I'll see you. Say, Lincoln, before you go, please tell us about the restaurant. I know you're really excited about it. Yes, we are. Um, on uh, April 28th, we're going to have the grand opening of the Asian Crab Shack in Henderson. Now, uh, due to COVID standards, I don't want everyone to be rushing over there on Wednesday night. It, it's, it's, yeah. We have an RSV5VP private party, but we will be open for business, and you will see myself, Mark May, and other partners who are involved in this restaurant. Uh, you will see us throughout the season and throughout the year over hanging out at the restaurant. So come on down when you bring the family for some great Cajun seafood. Can't wait to be there. Thanks, Lincoln. Have a good week. I'll see you next week here in Vegas. You got it, brother. Talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. You got it. Lincoln Kennedy, fantastic. Great analyst on the radio with Brent Musburger on the call and fantastic with all the television work he does here with the silver and black. One of the most impactful guys I've had in the history of the show, Black Hole Rob, checking in, the leader of the Black Hole. How you been, Rob? Oh, JT, man. It's always great hearing your voice, and every time I do – Makes my smile go ear to ear, brother. It takes me back. It takes me back, I got to tell you, each time to those days that we used to, you know, go to the games back in the early days and you would be out there tailgating with us and coming by on our pre-camping out in front of the stadium and all those great memories and hearing you on the local radio in the Bay Area and all that great stuff. But, you know, man, it's also great hearing from Big Link, man. You know, Big Lincoln Kennedy is tremendous. I mean, this guy is so gracious to the fans um i can't tell you how many times he's come by the black hole tailgates we inducted him into the black hole at our last kickoff party in oakland and he was 
tremendous up on the stage and just the way that he interacts with fans. You know, one time we, we did a trip out to Mexico City and our Mexico uh, City chapter had these great events going on and Big Link showed up over there as well. So Lincoln Kennedy is a part of the Black Hole family and we got nothing but love for him and we'll support anything that the big man does. And when he does come around, trust me, all you can see is him. You won't see anybody standing behind him. Probably, <laughs> probably one of the biggest gentlemen I know. JT, I'm excited about this draft, man. Um, I'm excited for a number of different reasons. But, you know, personally, I don't know what route they're, they're going to go, JT, but I'm a throwback type of dude, you know, hand in the mud. Um, I love the run game. I love smash mouth football. And I'm really hoping, you know, look, I love Gruden. I love John Gruden. I love his innovation. I love all of that sort of stuff. But I really think it's time that we turn the corner. And uh, quite often I see the run game working, run game working, and then all of a sudden we kind of get away from it. So I'm hoping that the run game truly becomes a staple going forward and really sticking to it. And I'm hoping that it starts with this NFL draft. I'm hoping that we get some good young bucks up front on both sides of the ball and on defense, we really need some beef eaters, man, in the middle. Young young kids, right? I remember, and you probably do too, JT, when we drafted a guy in the sixth round one year that nobody heard of by the name of Grady Jackson. And big number 90 came onto the scene, and he plugged that middle for a number of years. We really need that push up the middle. You saw in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the Kansas City, the vaunted Kansas City attack, man, when that – rush was coming up the middle really threw them off course so that's kind of my thoughts a little bit on the jt and i'd love to hear your feedback on that you got it rob good to hear from you i agree i think they went out and they plugged a lot of holes thanks for the call my friend uh great to hear from black hole rob when you think of the black hole in the history of the black hole that's royalty right there one of the main reasons i'm sitting here on the radio i i've said it i think the raiders were very active in the offseason concentrating on the defensive pass rush from the interior so I think they're good there. If they if a player drops to them that they have to have, great. But if not, with what they have with Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas, Cleveland Farrell, Max Crosby, John Hankins, David Irving, Quentin Jefferson, Phylon Vickers. I mean, how many more guys you need? Carl Nassib on the decision with him long term. They have plenty of players on the D-line now competing for a limited amount of roster spots. I think the D-line is pretty good, but they could surprise us with a first pick, 17th pick edge rusher. Gregory Rousseau, as we talked about, Jalen Phillips. It could be Quiddy Pay if he's available. If they get that player, plug and play him. Put him at linebacker, have him come off the edge. It would be a great fit. But yeah, Rob's old school. Raiders have always had good defensive tackles that take on the double team. How about the great Reggie Kinlaw and what he meant to this organization? You should hear what Ron Wolf said about him on these championship Zooms that I've been on. Had the pleasure to sit on and MC. Defensive tackle is important. Speaking of defensive line, Monday, week of the draft, Greg Townsend will join us on Monday. Thrilled to talk to him. Brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Really, I think it comes down to just trying to have the most thorough understanding that you can of where the the strengths and weaknesses of the draft are, understand what league value is, and then try to have a little ability to move up and down the board, trade up, trade down, and try to take advantage of it to the best you can. 
Mike Mayock, JT back with you as we wrap it up. Brought to you by Ihole, the new ultra-premium tequila, the official tequila of the JT The Brick Show. Ihole, Arden Key signs a one-year deal with the 49ers. Man, he's had nine, ten lives, and he bounces around again. So Arden Key locked in with the Niners on a short-term deal there. He's had many opportunities. Hope he gets his life back together. Uh, very quickly, before we get out of here, let's get a couple of calls in here. Let's go out to Kansas City. Chad and KC, what's happening, Chad? Hey, well, you guys take this Raider Radio some serious stuff. Jesus Christ, dang. I'm impressed. Are you, a, you a Chiefs fan or a Raider fan? Well, I live in Vegas, but I was born not far from the old stadium in Kansas City, and uh, I can never be a Raider fan, but you get my respect. But for, for one big reason, I just wanted to say this. In 1989, Mr. Davis hired the first black hair coach, and all the black barbershops in Kansas City were like, wow, would you look at that? And until this day, the Chiefs still don't have a black hair coach 30 years later. Yeah, well, Kansas City's doing really well now under Andy Reid, but nice compliment by you to Mr. Davis on our show. What else? Well, I just wanted to say your fan base, is, you have a lot of Latins and blacks, and I think Mr. Davis realizes that and he would never do anything to insult them. So that mm-hmm. quote this morning or this Twitter is being taken out of, you know, out of, out of perception. I thought it meant we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Let's move on. Appreciate the call. I think it led to what Mark Davis tweeted had to do with everything of what George Floyd's brother said at the press conference after the verdict. And we're starting to see more and more support on that today. John and Henderson. Wrap it up, John. How are you? Hey, JT, first-time caller, man. Hey, love the show. Hey, I, I just don't get it, man. Uh, I read the tweet, and I said, uh, and I immediately thought we can all breathe a sigh, a sigh of relief. Uh, I, I just don't get these, this cancel culture and all these people jumping on, on him. You know, look, uh, ask, ask yourself this. Can you possibly craft an argument that Mark Davis had any ill will or any ill intent when he sent that tweet? Absolutely not. Get over it. Stop this cancel culture crybaby crap. Uh, get over it. Cupcake, butterfly, snowflake. Uh, toughen up and get on with life, man. Appreciate the call. The Associated Press, NFL Associated Press site, just tweeted out two minutes ago. The brother, the brother of George Floyd thanked the Raiders for their support after the team drew criticism for a tweet following the conviction of a police officer who killed Floyd. The tweet read, I can breathe for 2021. So that is up there at this point, and now we're starting to see the reaction swaying today. And, you know, Twitter gets that type of reaction. That's why it's one of the most important social media, social media sites in the history of social media because of the instant reaction that people can have, and people can be anonymous, and people can be very critical. But people look at it. Not everybody does. Most people don't have Twitter. But if you want to see something go viral, it usually happens on Twitter before Facebook, Instagram, and other issues out there. I'm happy we got through this show this way because I know we did. I want you to hear Reggie Jackson's call to me. And you knew you were going to get my perspective on Mark Davis and what he thinks about diversity and inclusion. And uh, that was very easy for me to do. Great show today. I'll remember this one. Thank you, everybody. Bobby's off tomorrow. I'll wrap it up here tomorrow before a big weekend. And then next weekend, it's the draft. All next week, five shows, big ones, including the draft coverage for the flagship from the Raider facility and everything we got going on next week. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Hit me up at JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. And we greatly thank all of our partners who support the show. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.